Welcome to another episode of the Bharat Vartha podcast. Uh, today we have Alok Kumar and Kaushik Vishwanathan to talk about the exciting developments in space research in India. Uh, Alok is an associate professor at the Indian Institute of Science, Bangalore. Uh, he has worked with uh, many teams exploring applications of science to make uh, space exploration uh, easier. Kaushik is also an assistant professor at IIC with an interest in advanced manufacturing and finishing processes. Uh, he has also worked with Alok on many different projects uh, regarding space exploration. So yeah, welcome Alok and Kaushik. Thank you so much for making the time. Sure. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you very much for having us here. Yeah, so Alok and Kaushik, uh, to, you know, to begin things, I would love to understand, you know, how you guys got started in space research and so on, right? So maybe Alok, uh, you could give a little bit of background and then Kaushik can add. Sure. So, um... One of the things was when I returned back to India, I was earlier a professor in Canada. I was an assistant professor at the University of Alberta. And when I was coming back, I had to ask myself as to, uh, will I keep uh, doing exactly what I was doing in Canada or would I change my focus a little bit? And at that time, uh, one of the, probably the one of the exci- most exciting things happening in India was this change into the human space program. And I thought uh, that's exciting. That deserves uh, uh, some uh, some work from our side also so i was it was lucky that because i was in bangalore i was able to connect to some of the people at isro and i realized that uh, there is quite a bit of excitement at their end also but uh, there's a lot of open ended questions about what are the things that need to be done for the human space program human colonization how india will uh, obviously us and all the other some of the other countries are charting out their own path at that time that's when uh, we got started and i i posed uh, one of these ideas about uh, looking at uh, making you know simple bricks uh, on the moon as one of the projects and uh, luckily there was uh, another mad guy at the end of other, at the other end who was willing to uh, work with me on this and we got a small amount of money uh, back in 2018 i believe uh, to to look into that and i think that's where we got started at that time kaushik had just about joined if i'm uh, not mistaken right yeah so for me it was a little different actually so i didn't really have any significant plans to do anything space related so when i when i came back to india i had this view of this i don't think it's changed much but i i had a view of isro as being a very opaque organization with absolutely no way to enter and no one to talk to i mean even if you are an isc you get to speak to someone but then it's always you know okay there's some discussion it really goes nowhere and so on so i never really pursued it i had my own thing and i was doing my own stuff and then i think um, then all of us and i we have several other interests that are common and we started chatting about other things we were discussing about other things and then this somehow this brick stuff was going on it was starting to catch up that time he had a i think he had a grant from 2018 is it hello 2018 yeah 2018 uh, i got the grant yeah and he was it wasn't a big grant it was just something to get started with and he was doing this stuff and then he had this the collaborator and we had a chat and we were just talking about some random things and then suddenly there was this thought about why don't we do this big stuff on the moon then we were thinking you know what what is going on what this is bizarre right so that really bizarre. and then slowly we started thinking okay what are the steps to do that to, to get there first we obviously have to do some stuff that shows that it is possible and and that's already being done i think by the time some results started to come out and then the next step would be okay can we first take a small baby step and go to lower low earth orbit and can we do some simple experiments in low earth orbit we run something there with the same bacteria do something that's automated uh, try it out and then maybe see if that can be made more sophisticated and then get out of low earth orbit get on to a program that's actually going to the to the moon and so on so we started thinking in terms of these steps and i think at that point things started changing in israel a little bit 
and they actually had a couple of calls for the gaganyan program for projects and so suddenly people started listening to these ideas and they started they were a little bit more receptive and i was very surprised and then this uh, i think some of this microgravity work also started and then it was basically a very small started as a very small sort of dabbling in the backyard type of project uh, alokni and we had a couple of interns i think you know in 2019 and so it started there it was very humble and very uh, sort of basic looking prototypes were being put together and then slowly we started studying things and consolidating things and so on and then it became a little bit more complicated more people joined in more people from isro were interested and then slowly things started mushrooming from there so i think it was a little bit organic from my side it wasn't exactly something that i had planned to do right uh sounds pretty interesting i mean you know from a lay person's perspective when you say making bricks using lunar soil or whatever it's literally making bricks or i mean is there you know some larger significance uh, to this that you know we are uh, p- perhaps missing koshik yeah, well i think yeah it's just literally making bricks i think there is any hidden agenda behind this but <laughs> i think one of the challenges is uh, i'm sure alok will you know, talk about this a little bit more in detail is okay you decide you want to make bricks you want to make settlements right? that's okay first the intent is that but what do you do to make it happen obviously you're not going to carry a lorry or a lorry of concrete from somewhere to go and make it happen right so you need to be frugal in your effort and you need to make efforts towards finding processes that are uh, minimal footprint but can at the same time produce stuff that is strong enough you obviously don't want things to collapse under the ground right? even though the weight is lower you have to make sure that some of these minimum standards are met and so that's actually not as trivial as it sounds uh, because you know go on the street i mean they are making making bricks they are pretty very simple people are making bricks for thousands of years right why are you wasting but it's actually not that trivial uh, as we discovered i know no, it was not trivial at all right i mean this is this is the brick the whole idea of the brick was uh, it's a building block right? right you you want to make a taj mahal or a, or a or a palace on the moon uh, where do you start right and the, in, in that sense the brick is uh, signifies the first baby step uh, that right. was the whole idea and as right. kaushik said i don't think there is much of a bigger uh sinister uh, right. background to that or anything no but uh, I, I, as you mentioned i think it's something very fundamental and if we are looking at you know i don't know some kind of colonization in the 2030s or 2040s or whatever these kind of uh, things would become integral right you know on that note you know alok can you just catch us up on all of the latest developments that have been happening on the ground with respect to space research in india uh, i mean that that would be a very big ground yeah. I, i don't <laughs> think i i can uh, uh, i should be commenting on all the different all the things that are going on there but i think uh, see uh, when we announced the idea of uh, wanting to send astronauts on the onto uh, low earth orbits or uh, to space or maybe even to the moon and later on to the mars i think that was a big departure for us uh, from for at least isro with regards to how it views itself uh, in the future right so that itself has gotten a lot of uh, people interested in figuring out different aspects of it i mean, I, i would say there's a whole multitude of problems now with sending a human being onto mars or even the moon or even the low earth orbit even because that's something that uh, india has not tackled for this long so there is now i think uh, a very large group of people uh, uh, 
scientists and uh, outside and inside of isro working on it obviously i am not uh, qualified to uh, comment on the entirety of what's uh, going on but uh, with a small team here with uh, like minded people like koshik and a uh, couple of others we are trying to uh, do our own bit I, i think we are tracking some of the more futuristic aspects here <laughs> with with right. the uh, with the brick making and the colony part but i th- I'm, i'm sure there are other people here as well but the whole idea of of sending this is this is a huge step uh, for india for trying to put somebody there because the, the the technological requirements now are stupendously high and very different from what isro has been accustomed to right and uh, you know when when you undertake such an effort right i mean it's always a proxy for multiple things right multiple developments that happen uh, along many different axes to enable that one particular thing you know kaushik you briefly mentioned right i mean that uh, you know isro being open to certain ideas and so on right uh, and obviously you know we are also seeing in the news that you know they're working with startups for example there was the indian space association that was formed etc uh, there seems to be a lot more outreach you know from from a space perspective Uh, and so on right uh, what do you think has changed from a policy perspective i mean do you think anything has changed on that front i mean that enables uh, this you know sudden um, uh, i won't say sudden but uh, this recent outreach and so on i think the one big thing has been privatization i mean mm. i know a lot of old school guys even in my family and so on are completely loath about privatization they believe it's you know anathema cannot be done but i'll tell you you know very simple example privatization of space and privatization of defense right the degree to which they've had an impact or they will have an impact let's say 10 years down the line is just immense uh, i can cite several examples but i think it will be too controversial if i do that right now uh, for just for defense right? and space is no different the moment you have some competition and you have more routes to access for example you know just look at what spacex has done in terms of enabling satellites to get into lower orbit it's just it's a complete revolution there's absolutely no denying that right? i mean earlier in the 70s 80s the only source for rockets that you had was the government in some sense and that single bottleneck has just been broken apart and people know that it can be done space spacex can do it i'm sure other big Conglomerates can do it in a virgin is flying and there are lots of people now who are trying to put their money. Uh, Jeff Bezos, of course, uh, has come in. So people know that it's possible. And people know that once the policy preventing you from doing it is up, yes, you, you know, hold, the sky is the limit, you know, to, to your pardon the fun, right? You can go and try these things. And the same applies also to defense in some sense. I think it's a limited question. That was, I think, one of the biggest advantages that the US and the UK had. from the 40s that you know all of them have had discussions over this for a long time so the fact that they had these private players the general dynamics and so on at that point uh, really enabled them to take the lead not just in you know, defense equipment but also in general technology and you see that right to this day we're always playing catch up catch up in some sense we're still struggling to because there is nothing you know like like we said before um, for technology to develop there's nothing better than war Right? and or nothing better than people wanting to get an upper hand because they're scrambling to do whatever it takes. Or even a cold war. Or even a cold war, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Hot or cold, yeah. So people are scrambling to get ahead of each other. And that's the best way in which technology does. Unfortunately, right? Yeah, that's the best way. So yeah, I think privatization has been the biggest, biggest game changer. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, we're living in this whole space age 2.0, right? I mean, uh, as some people call it, we have the billionaires of the world uh, striving to, you know, make a difference, right? Uh, whether it's uh, Elon Musk with SpaceX, Jeff Bezos with Blue Origin, or even uh, Virgin as well, right? I mean, they're also doing a fair bit of work on that front. You know, where are we with respect to, you know, whatever is happening in terms of the the new space age that we're seeing, Alok? Uh, well, I mean, 1969, Americans put a man on the moon, and we haven't been able to do that yet. We are quite behind uh, in some sense. It's also true that uh, in this new space age, we have new opportunities, new technologies, new technologies that are replacing many of the older ones. Uh, one of them being uh, the microfluidics uh, that me and Kaushik uh, are working on at the lab on a chip payloads and all that. We, we, we did lose out on, on I mean, at least India did lose out on quite a bit of opportunity back then. I mean, Rakesh Sharma did go to space, but he just went on a on a Russian vehicle just and then came back. And uh, we were not able to really take advantage of all that experience uh, in building up any capacity here. But, but then if you look at it, I mean, the whole story is quite lopsided because there's still only uh, a couple of uh, co- uh, countries which have maybe three co- countries which have the capacity to send astronauts to space uh, three four uh, I mean, if you take European Union together it's it's a one another thing but as as technologies are changing we are uh, everybody is now going to be looking at uh, astronauts uh, staying on um, uh, let's say moon or for longer and longer durations and that's going to be challenging that's going to re- require a whole set of new technologies and I think that's where the the opening comes for new players. So um, in, in, in that sense, in the human space program in India is actually is a no, new player. It's a totally novice. There, I think there's the opportunity comes in where you have no, a lot of new technologies coming up. Uh, Kaushik and I have been working on this payload for quite some time. And uh, I think we have had uh, quite a bit of fun doing it. But at the same time, it does drive uh, the envelope of technology uh, in the country a little bit further ahead in that sense. Right. Uh, Kaushik, you mentioned, uh, you know, privatization, right? I mean, we've seen this whole Indian Space Association as well uh, that was launched in uh, late 2021 by the Prime Minister. But we're also seeing a lot of startup action as well, right? I mean, you have Pixel, Agnikul, Skyroot. What is your view on all of the uh, all of that uh, innovation that's happening? By the way, I've been telling Kaushik that we should leave our jobs and do a startup. <laughs> <laughs> well, sooner sooner than uh, later, I suppose. And hopefully we'll be discussing your innovation uh, uh, on another podcast, uh, you know, wh- whenever you decide to start up. Yeah. Yeah, Koshi. Uh, yeah, I think it's great. Like, there's nothing better than competition. You know, I think India's startup scene was very different maybe five, six years ago before this startup space boom has come up, right? And many of these startups, and I think to some degree that's also true right now, are all app-based startups in some sense. And so that... Then, you know, many of them are very clever in this of fintech startups. So they're all very clever, run by clever people and so on. But their overheads are low. The development time scales are low. Uh, the number of iteration cycles for R&D is low right, for them. So they're able to make money very quickly. Space is very different. And I think many of the startups also, at least, you know, the, the ones you mentioned, they've had some interactions with them. And they've had trouble finding their feet. Right? They started up, they had to look around. Of course, COVID came in between and things happened. But... It's great. I think this is probably the uh, only way in which you know, having multiple people competing is probably the only way in which you'll get good technology. There will be startups that will start and fail. There will be disaster stories. But I think that's all part of the entire journey. So that's right. it's really great. What is the opportunity that uh, you know one can look at? You know, a bunch of these folks are doing this imaging and uh, you know high resolution imaging, and and uh, you know few folks have talked about mining and so on, right? Asteroid mining and so on, right? But any other opportunities from a business perspective that some of the startups can look at? 
Kaushik, let's get let's let's get ourselves some gold, man. We are not we are also a bit clever. <laughs> yeah, let's go and come back and sell it here. Gold prices are soaring, dude. Like, yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I am so, not putting money in Bitcoin, but <laughs> <laughs> gold, yeah, straight extraterrestrial gold. That's what we'll go for. But yeah, I think things like imaging, spectral imaging, um, are all immediate needs in some sense, right? Because like remote sensing, security. Uh, you know, weather monitoring, things like that are critical needs. So I think many of these startups have probably realized that that is something that will bring them returns in the short run. Uh, but I think something like space vehicles, for example, launch vehicles, that's a longer term investment. And I think that's not something that you can just start up and say, okay, we'll make it. There are lots of allied technologies that have to mature together. There has to be gas turbine technology. There has to be manufacturing technology that has to match it, for example. Right? So there are lots of things that have to come together. So I think having a spectrum of these things is good. That's one thing. Uh, but also having startups that are backed by bigger companies, both in terms of tech and in terms of money, guaranteeing that they'll be able to do stuff over the next five years and deliver things uh, as promised is also important. So I don't know if that answers the question, but. Right. How do you see the role of ISRO in all of this, right? I mean, uh, you know, all the startups and so on, I mean, their uh, time to sort of launch a satellite has come down, you know, drastically, right? And uh, the ISRO is really helping them with the quality and all of those checks and balances that are required, right? Because uh, also space research is not one of those things where you can fail fast, like a typical you know, software startup or something like that, right? Alok, how do you see the role of ISRO in uh, space research in India? I think uh, as uh, as time goes on, uh, they have to really pivot pivot more into the research part. I mean, till now they have been perfecting the art of uh, making satellites and uh, making uh, these rockets, and they have done it very well. I guess as uh, uh, as the space frontier expands, they really need to specialize a little bit more towards. Uh, the fantasy world uh, in some sense uh, going for uh, g- making missions for deep space trying to do things which uh, companies will not invest in right i mean companies would want to dig gold on an asteroid be a gold digger but <laughs> they would not want to put a telescope on the moon right so uh, putting a telescope on the moon uh, can have uh, severe massive advantages with the respect uh, with respect to noise and with respect to uh, some of the imageries that can be captured and there's other there's quite a few people who are already thinking about it so uh, that's something that uh, a private uh, player will never capture and that's where i think we uh, isro needs to uh, focus on and i mean that's where uh, the research frontier would lie so somebody like kaushik is more interested in research i've, I've had more success convincing him of uh, making the moon brick than trying to uh, dig platinum or gold out of an asteroid so uh, so i, I think isro also needs to think on that in that terms uh, that th- those are the frontiers of research uh, Mar- for example i'll give you just one quick example mars it probably had water at some point right liquid water but it does not represent a very habitable climate but at the same time it's not impossible that it was uh, inhabited by very simple organisms at some point but now that if you do go on that go there is it possible to you know maybe grow the potatoes uh, like in the martian uh, is it going to be possible that it represents an extreme climate an extreme uh, from the earth its soil is very different its atmosphere is very different its atmosphere is very thin compared to earth it has a whole lot of carbon dioxide that's where uh, some of the research frontier lies and that's where i think I- i'm nobody to advise isro but uh, if if they were listening in here uh, roshan maybe you would want to send them a clip uh, they sh- they should be pivoting more towards that i'd say 
ரெண்டாயிரத்தி <laughs> <laughs> how will this whole thing happen kaushik hey, on that on, on that thing i actually sent uh, kaushik uh, a screenshot of uh, some tweet which said that uh, <laughs> our, our mars break will be useful from uh, late 2030s and neither of us could understand whether it was uh, sarcasm or or uh, commentary <laughs> yeah, why, why late 2030s are we running out of bricks are we running out of space like what is going on right but clearly somebody had a very clear prediction of when it will start happening Yeah. yeah neither of us have that good a prediction i think for mars <laughs> yeah maybe we should tell the guy our breaks huh <laughs> yeah guys are set it up there like an advance <laughs> contract or something right yeah, yeah. invest Yeah. yeah no but uh, yeah uh, any thoughts on that i mean like uh, do you think that it could happen potentially in the next 10 years uh, and if so you know what what form would it take i'm not sure actually i think alok will probably have a better answer to this right because i still have this very vague notion that it's futuristic i mean somehow i don't see a clear plan right now i think things will see we haven't gone to the moon for a while right and uh, nasa has already dropped all plans and now it's all up to the private guys no 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 nasa ha- no nasa hasn't dropped all plans so there is uh, i i i can't recollect the name of it it's named after a greek god or something uh, uh so there there was a plan and uh, this artemis. Pla- artemis yeah 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 so artemis i think original originally they envisaged some uh, 24 people by 2024 20, 24 individuals who will be living there for some time um i don't know if they gave a clear timeline of how long they will live but maybe a month or something uh, the artemis obviously this was before it was announced or before the pandemic huh. so that has gotten pushed but artemis is still on i mean if you see the nasa feeds uh, they are still doing the tests and they do have a crew which is i believe which is ready i, I don't know all that i i just follow them on the tweet part so on the on the twitter feeds or the news feeds but uh, they are the, the artemis program hasn't been shelved it did uh, there was some setbacks i don't remember exactly which setbacks were there but pandemic was obviously one you know moon will happen much faster obviously than mars uh, that that's obviously going to happen i mean i would not be surprised if it happens uh, if if you have long term uh, habitation on the moon before 2030s not late 2030s before 2030s <laughs> <laughs> since you're talking about research and you know being ambitious about space and everything right i mean there's often this this trope that is uh, you know that that comes up whenever you talk about you know cutting edge tech like this right that hey you know for a country that is uh, you know as poor as us uh, should we be spending all of this money on space or you know should it be on more prudent things like you know i don't know agriculture or whatever else right um, um but then obviously you know space research is a as i mentioned i mean it's it's also this the second degree third degree uh, innovation that happens as a result of space research is is phenomenal right so what would you say to you know something like that uh, you know alok 
see uh, th- th- this comes up again and again right but we know that i'll just give you a quick example of our own work uh, that's probably the easiest place to draw some inspiration from uh, so this brick that we are using uh, the kashik is pioneering the entire manufacturing aspect of it what i bring to the table is some the biotechnology aspect where we have this bacteria which sort of uh, it's a very natural ba- it's a natural uh, it's a, the bacteria is is derived from the soil and uh, it's a very natural process that takes place is called biosegmentation where the bacteria actually uh, leads to the precipitation of calcium carbonate along with uh, it oozes out uh, biopolymers that uh, allow the soil particles to get bonded now if you do the same process on earth uh, let's say in a in in water which has a lot of lead poisoning so what happens is as the calcium carbonate precipitates it actually takes down the lead with it in fact it's 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 probably one of the ways in which uh, you can actually filter natural water of of uh, lead contamination or heavy metal contamination in uh, so we are looking into that and i i'm sure there are uh, many other technologies uh, that can come uh, from this i mean if we could all co- convince koshik to be a gold digger we could pay for all this space program <laughs> but i am sure maybe koshik can think of a couple of more good examples i i think uh, this argument like alok said you know i also heard many times i think there are two aspects to it i would like to say one is a more emotional aspect which is you know which is a very i mean a very filmy aspect right if you, if you have if you don't have a means of survival it doesn't mean you can't dream of doing these things right and i think that's important to keep dreams and aspirations alive right and it's not just alive because we want to do it or because we want to prove ourselves or anything but alive because we have to stay relevant uh, i think we've we've all learned several new lessons from this entire russia ukraine affair and the sort of political consequences it can have and very quickly things can get you know you, you can get put into a corner in some sense and things change overnight right that's one aspect of it you know the aspirational aspect i think the second one even economically right I, i'm often very perplexed i'm not an economist i'm not I have not taken a course in economics or a master's degree in economics to be uh, making justifiable statements. But if you have a budget for technology development, let's say space technology development, it's bound to have consequences that trickle yeah. down. And this is, we've seen this time and again from the 40s, 50s, from NASA's big space program, from the Cold War. There are so many examples and we've seen them. We've, everybody has seen them, right? From the advent of uh, television to internet to everything. It, just baffles me how somebody could come and say don't do this stuff why don't you go and use that money elsewhere i think the more the more equitable attitude should be okay you need x money in you know whatever is uh, critical for common people's needs which is obviously important which is the main reason why uh, you know government make budget so on but that doesn't mean that if you have excess of x you transfer x by 2 from there and make this 3x by 2 right i mean that that type of logic i don't think you know i've always been baffled by that type of logic i don't think there is any question everybody knows that the space technology of course there are times when you spend money you know public money uh, it has to be used responsibly by people who are doing research in space or otherwise and that's an important mandate for people like us right? for academicians who get grants from uh, the government it's, a, it's our responsibility to use it to the best of our ability and as long as that happens there is bound to be something useful uh, that comes out of it. there was an article russian i don't know if you heard of it uh, maybe we can forward it to him look um, written by a constant professor like his name uh, it was called the importance the usefulness of useless research so it was written in the 60s i think when similar types of arguments were being made in the us and he had the whole list of things that you know basically showed how people and i think he focused mostly on on war time research uh, people were saying oh why are you spending so much money on the war why do you have these you know stuff like that 
and he made out several clear examples uh, that said that the reason you are enjoying x y and z today is because people spent all that money Uh, so i think it's important to keep that right one of the key developments that have happened over the last uh, you know decade or so is the gaganyaan right it was isro's first indian human space flight program as such i think it started in 2007 or so can you you know alok can you talk a little bit about the significance of this you know in the realm of space research in india sure. so i think uh, i I, do, i don't know when the original plans were uh, laid out but i believe it was 2000, after the 2014 elections that gaganyaan was given political mandate to go ahead in in many senses this is a totally new ground for isro it's and this is what is going to be the game changer our interest in now putting humans into space it's it's not just about that it's about creating new paradigms in our research earlier we Uh, excelled in some aspects which is making satellites and making launch vehicles and then we got stuck uh, stuck or saturated our research sort of saturated over there but the next uh, set of challenges that are going to come in uh, one of the things would be that space would actually also becoming a manufacturing center in some sense there's a lot of different manufacturing for example 3d printing of tissues making certain type of glasses and all that that uh, seem to be much more viable in the lower earth orbit than anywhere else uh, this is obviously uh, apart from any advantages uh, city, uh, countries will accrue from let's say being able to go to the moon and mine some of the uh, important metals maybe from that place so the hum- the gaganyaan program i think is just a stepping stone towards the- those uh, we should be focused on uh, the longer term aspects which is uh, uh, colonization at least at least of the moon right now that will also take quite some time but we can focus on mars uh, in late 2030s our mars bricks are ready Uh, you, there's a huge lot of things uh, for us, uh, including uh, challenges in manufacturing, uh, including new manufacturing technologies that might come up, advances in biomedical research, plus uh, obviously uh, the whole prospect of uh, being able to mine uh, some of these heavy metals. Uh, sorry, not uh, some of these rare earth metals that are that are required. I mean, we are as a nation, we don't have the kind of deposits, or at least it, they have not been excavated or looked into yet. The rare of rare earth, let's say, electric vehicle technology. technology and all that so in my opinion it, it probably makes a far better sense and sustainable sense of ma- of mining it on the moon than mining on, on earth where we are causing massive ecological disaster through all the mining but on the moon we will not have to pay that kind of a cost so it seems to be a win win situation are there any other advantages to having a, a moon base uh, as such i mean uh, does it like facilitate like any kind of a further exploration uh, into space or Uh, any any other advantages that you think of uh, no, totally i mean uh, moon base is uh, some of it, it might even benefit some of the astrophysical research by uh, putting uh, uh, observatories on the moon but if if we are successful in in, in uh, trying to go towards the asteroid or 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 mars moon is likely going to be the first base and then that is so if you don't go there you're not going anywhere else coming to you know some of your work uh, right you guys have uh, worked on this whole biocementation yeah. processes question one second yeah. i just found the article on what it's called the usefulness of useless knowledge oh, okay uh, in case your viewers or your listeners viewers are interested it's written it was written by a guy called abraham flex right. not in the 50s it was actually written in the 30s yeah, yeah. i'm sure you can I mean, find it we'll we'll definitely link to it uh, in the in the description yeah speaking of you know your some of the work that you guys are doing on this whole biocementation process and everything right uh, making bricks on moon and mars can you talk to uh, talk about it a little more you know technically what are you guys doing what are some of the challenges you're facing and you know how are you sort of innovating to 
uh, if i understand correctly i mean how you sort of 3d printing this sort of a, a brick or something but so so there are multiple challenges one is uh, if you have to make anything in a in an environment on the moon you are facing a c- circumstance that are, is vastly different from the earth uh, including the fact that there's no atmosphere the uh, the gravity is different but first and foremost the soil or whatever materials that are available to you the material resources that moon provides that colonize or trying to uh, take steps baby steps towards that is to learn um, more about the material and understand how it is different or similar to earth for example uh, with the martian soil we realize so the lunar soil uh, is quite rich in silicon dioxide uh, and uh, it's in some sense if you view it it's more like sand whereas the martian soil it's very rich in iron and it actually can be uh, in some sense poisonous to uh, organisms because it does cause iron toxicity etc so uh, to even get started i mean there's going to be so many different challenges but the first step towards is to even understand it from a materials perspective so when we looked at biocementation one of the key points we wanted to understand is how is this material different from the sand or, or the clay that is available to us on the earth and i think that's where uh, during our work we found that they are very different but at the same time there are a lot of similarities also just as said uh, the, some of the lunar soil is basically just sand so this understanding is very important because uh, these understandings will be relevant later uh, when you do send uh, let's say hopefully chandrayaan 3 is very successful so when the lander lands uh, this lunar dust actually comes up and actually goes and settles onto uh some of this uh, uh the electronics as we learn more we probably will also discover solutions to some of the other problems so we'll see but i think uh, on the manufacturing side kaushik has come up with some very interesting ideas uh there right yeah so so the i think the core of the thing is to first have a process that consolidates uh loose sand in the form of something that can take a reasonable amount of strength and the second step of course is to be able to make that on a slightly larger scale in a reproducible manner so that the first brick is not weaker than the third brick and they're all you know perfectly so i think we've been our joint work uh, we've been focusing on some of those things so we've developed some type of casting uh, standards so it's again stuff that people will be doing on earth in different contexts and take a lot of some of that to the situation so uh, that is the first now we're also exploring the possibility of directly 3d printing uh structures that are not just cylinders or bricks uh, conventional shapes but also intricate structures into which you can put scaffoldings you can put support internal support input internal features and so on so those are things that we are exploring right now um i think uh, as other mentioned this uh, there are multiple challenges in this uh, for example even the 3d printing a very simple challenge is you have this slurry uh, that looks like cement right or concrete of that consistency that's flowing out and then you have to get that to solidify and to set and at the same time you don't want it setting fast enough because it will set inside the nozzle for it to come out uh, but you want it to set fast enough so that it doesn't come out get deposited in flow away right so simple questions like this are actually very important scientific problems that need some degree of experimental some thinking so those are the things i think that my side of the collaboration is probably focused on Of course, Anuk and I, both of us have programs 
And, you know, when we talk about space research, there is a whole geopolitical angle to this as well, right? I mean, uh, uh, it's too vast and uh, too wide um, to not do some of this stuff in collaboration with other countries and and so on. So uh, could you, you know, Alok, could you talk about some of the partnerships that we have with, uh, let's say, NASA or, you know, some of the other, uh, you know, space programs of other countries and so on? I'm, I'm probably the wrong person to be uh, speaking about the collaborations because, I mean, uh, some of these collaborations that Israel has been doing, uh, I mean, I, I am not part of that because those are usually done on an agency-to-agency basis. What we have done, uh, I mean, for example, Chandrayaan-1, when we did send the, the orbiter, it, had, it carried uh, uh, instruments from different, I don't know how many countries, but at least the U.S. And it was the U.S. mineralogy mapper which actually discovered water. So you see, uh, it was such great collaboration that uh, India sent its rocket and its uh, uh, its orbiter. But on the orbiter, the payload which discovered was an American payload. So uh, this there's a lot of different things to be done. This I think the ground to be covered is so huge that uh, without collaboration, it probably won't uh, work. But at the same time, uh, space agencies, I'm sure, would also be looking into protecting their turf, no pun intended, uh, when they get get there. I think this some of the more far, the sciencey questions. I think the collaboration will be easier. But when it comes to actually putting putting your flag down and claiming some part of the land, uh, that's where things are going to get a bit tricky, and that's where uh, I think people will get very uh, uh, they'll want their own space <laughs> again. So, uh, so it, it's it's going to be tricky. I, I I don't think it's going to be an easy way forward, except for the the very sciencey part. So uh, there, I think people are happy collaborating. It's 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 more of a routine, and uh, collaborations have happened quite a bit. And for any domain or industry to develop, you need talent, right? I mean, uh, give us a sense of you know the talent that India has on the space front. You know, uh, are you seeing a lot more uh, of the you know students or a lot more uh, uh, people applying to uh, you know these kind of uh, areas or uh, you know what can we do to kind of develop this uh, scientific temper and and get people interested in space and also make it a viable sort of an occupation for uh, people? Kaushik, you want to go? Yeah, I think there's definitely an uptake in interest. Uh, <clears throat> maybe part of it is also fueled by some of the startups and the fact that they've started, uh, they've been so successful raising a lot of money and also some of them are started showing uh, technology demonstrators and so on. So that definitely is a magnet. I think also in terms of space science as a subject per se, for people to specialize in, that also has started coming up quite a bit. And, you know, for example, IAST, right, the Israel Institute in London, has, that's generated a lot of interest, lots of people going there uh, with the intent of eventually going to, of course, there are, you know, things in the program that can be changed, lots of people have made lots of comments and so on, but I think it's a, it's a very good start. So there is definitely an interest. I think it's important for us to capitalize uh, this point on that and to make sure that we tap into that pool uh, without and finally you know to kind of uh, end the podcast i you know if you were to look in look into the future look you know what are like two or three things that make you really optimistic about space research in india so one of the things that the first and foremost thing i think is the reception of the general public the general public is very receptive to it i think there's a broad-based support for isro's uh, 
uh, ambitions and space efforts so i mean although while we obviously have once in a while people come and question i think i don't think the general public is is that cynical or that skeptical of the value of space research at all i think the general public understands and the value of this better than many uh, many of our experts which sort of tend to question this uh, so i think that that is number one the other i think is uh, i would say startup i mean some of the problems uh, the only way we can move forward is as I, we mentioned before is to have a bit of a pivoting here where you allow private sector to come in into things that we have already been uh, very good at for quite some time and let them take up that space and then uh, isro can move into a little bit more of a specialized in the human space program the colonization part where the interest in, in uh, from private agencies in india is still not that high uh, obviously so so that frontier if they can take up i think and there seems to be a lot of youthful uh, uh, and a lot of private players uh, have come into the market especially into the satellite business and uh, as you uh, we, we discuss hyperspectral imaging and all that so i think that's a very very good sign amazing uh, kaushik uh, any last thoughts uh, from you and uh, you know how do you look at the future i mean if you were to sort of crystal gaze I think I'm optimistic. I think this this uh, sort of privatization has opened up a lot of possibilities, like I mentioned before. And I think that's something we have to capitalize on. Uh, if we continue in this mission mode business for too long without investing, let's say things that are not immediately uh, beneficial, but things that will reap rewards, let's say five years, ten years, and then, and I already see we already see that happening. In multiple parts, and I think that gives me a lot of hope. And I'm very optimistic. Again, we won't know, you know, how many of these things will play out until maybe five years later. I think that's uh, because I think space and defense both being critical sectors are very similar in that sense. So yeah, I'm optimistic. Let's see. Awesome. Hopefully, things will change very soon. Awesome. So that's a fantastic note to end the podcast on. Um, you know, thank you guys for uh, you know really making the time and helping us understand a few of these things. At Bharatvarta, we try to bring you know positive perspectives about uh, the country and uh, hearing about space development is certainly you know one of those things, right? That you know definitely makes us optimistic uh, for uh, the country's future. So thank you again for uh, being on the podcast. Sure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Roshan. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Bharatvarta podcast. If you want to see more content like this then don't forget to subscribe to our channel we started bharatvarta to facilitate long form discussions on politics policy and culture we don't necessarily endorse anything that was said in this episode if you wish to offer us feedback do reach out to us on social media we are at bharatvarta on facebook twitter and instagram you could also get in touch with us on our website www.bharatvarta.in the links are in the description below Until next time stay safe take care and jai